The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for new focus on wealth, Chad Burton. Another day, another dollar, another day, another visit with CFP Chad Burton. Today, we're going to be talking about the seven tests for retirement readiness. I like the hard R's back to back. It's event this Saturday, this Saturday, once again, this Saturday, 10 to noon in San Mateo County, uh, Foster City, to be specific, at the Crown Plaza, 10 to noon. You can sign up for the event at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Chad's got a great website with lots of content. Sometimes I'm jealous. Because uh, he's got some good stuff that you want to download and, and review while you're signing up for the event. But here to talk about the event and uh, being ready for it, I think is a, a key thing to think about. Um, you, you don't need a retirement event if you don't have retirement assets. And before coming, you should have some thought process on how it's going to work out for you in life. Uh, CFP Chad Burton, EP Wealth, uh, friend of the show for 20 plus years and a friend of mine. Smartest financial planner I know and really well at uh, spoken at putting financial concepts down. Chad, what do we need to assume before coming to the event on Saturday? Because I'm, I'm that guy. I'm 5, 10, 15 years from retirement. I got some wealth, but I'm doing some things slightly wrong. Yeah, I think that a couple of things to maybe prep for it or just, you know, mentally prepare for this is that, you know, number one, those that are thinking about going, what, what type of advice are you getting now from so-called financial advisors? Because I still say out there, the majority of people that call themselves financial advisors are selling product. So they're getting people to do things like roll 401ks into, you know, variable annuities with long surrender charges and high fees and they're not really getting planning, they're just getting sold a product. And so these tests assume that we're gonna talk about, assume that you have unbiased advice, right? You're, you're, you're not going to a person that's selling product, you're going to a person that you're paying to give you fiduciary-based advice by a certified financial planner practitioner. And what CFPs are, they're trained in taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing. Um, and even though, CFPs that are fiduciary based give advice on insurance. They don't sell insurance products. And I think that's really important, Rob, because both the Department of Labor and the SEC have been working on passing laws to stop the abuse of rollovers into bad products because people are already underprepared for retirement. And I mean, how many times do you and I get stories about people about, hey, I got into this annuity and I, I don't really understand how it works and what are the fees and how do I get out, right? The worst part for me, I get those three weeks. I get those emails three weeks after they've signed the annuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, can't help you. <laughs> so I know. And most of them have like a 10 day or a 30 day clause where you can get out if you don't want to. And after that, you're kind of locked in because they already paid the commission of five to 7% to somebody. And so you got to stay in there for somewhere between five to 10 years for them to make up that 
commission. So, and, you know, going to this event, it, it might be helpful for a person to also get a very detailed list of expenses because these tests assume that you've already done that. Yeah. Um, so you have your non-discretionary expenses, which are how much is food going to cost my utilities, you know, gas for my car, insurance for my home and my car, th- those types of things. And then you have your discretionary expenses. What are you going to do to have fun in retirement and enjoy life? And then there's healthcare costs. And that's a big phase of planning because uh, people, if they retire before 65, they have to deal with the Affordable Care Act uh, insurance, right? The covered California plans, but also premium t- uh, tax credits to pay for that, which is kind of a, a bit of financial and tax engineering between their age of early in retirement and 65 after 65, you've got to have an idea of, and we'll go over this at the event on what Medicare Part B, uh, Irma, for those that have high income, they pay more for Medicare Part B. It's called Irma. Uh, but you have supplemental insurance costs, co-pays over your lifetime. So what are the average costs for insurance and co-pays and dental and things like that in retirement? But then you also want to sit down and think about, okay, if I retire, um, I'm going to be retired for 35 plus years in some cases. What are my other expenses? Will I have grandkids and gifts and college planning? Do I have kids that still need help? Kids that need help paying off student loans? Um, what are what are my potential costs to maintain my home or remodel my house eventually? What are your vacation plans? Um, gifts. And it assumes that you realize what your tax situation is at a basic level. Um but gosh, and the vacation costs recently, Rob, I mean, have you seen flights and costs even go to places that used to be cheap like Mexico? I have. And as a family of four who's hitting that time in my life where I want to fly with my family because I know the window's closing, it, it stinks. Yeah. But it, 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 it hurts the wallet. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, being in, uh, Punta de Mita and Sayulita, it's a, you know, kind of a, you know, less than Puerto Vallarta or way less than Cabo type of a place. It's really a surf oriented town. Food was expensive. It was not, it was, wasn't any cheaper at the basic restaurants in the States. Now you can find off the beaten paths to eat and stuff like that. But then that's a little scary, but <laughs> things that you want to do in retirement could end up being very expensive. So it's an idea that you've, you've pictured what you want retirement to be like and what are those costs going to be. And so that's always kind of a good thing to do before you go into an event like this is to sit down and try to list those out. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, let's talk a little bit more. You're going to be at the event Saturday uh, a little bit early if people want to show up because I know a lot of people don't want to talk finances in front of other people. So they kind of want to squirt in with you and get some advice and some insights. Um, let's talk about the test that people are going to be going through. And we don't have a complete time in this segment, but we'll do it through the next hour. Linear cash flow, test for market corrections, i.e. your risk tolerance, tax test, safe money. Uh, i.e. market corrections, uh, Monte Carlo simulation, long-term care stress test. That's one I haven't even thought about, or that's not one I've acted on, and I should. And then there's the life plan test. Uh, which one do you want to start hitting right now? Well, in terms of going through each of them real quickly and this time, and then we'll dive in deeper okay. throughout the hour. A linear cash flow test is the first start where you use conservative rates of return on your investments and you use inflation on your expenses, 5% inflation, at least on healthcare costs and make sure your money's going to last till age 100 on the very conservative test. 
That test, though, every year is going to be 100% wrong, right? Because the stock market does never go straight up. Portfolios don't just, even though they might average an annual rate of return, they're very, they can be all over the place. And so that's why you have to go to the second test, which is even though the market's positive, you know, 74, 75% of the time over the last 50 years, there are periods when stocks and bonds go down together, like 2022 and probably this, potentially this year, for example. And so how do you get through those market corrections? There's tax tests, which are, are different phases, early retirement to age 65, where you're dealing with premium tax credits, uh, 65 to 70, which is what are you doing between that age and then when you get Social Security? And then between 70 and 73, 70 distributions kick in. So there's different tax planning around that. Um, and you know, the safe money, once you do all of those tests and you know how much it's going to cost, the safe money test gives you how much cash you should have on the sidelines. And then, you know, we'll have to wait to get into the other three as we move through the hour here. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass. Or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass, the will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. So if you go to robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com or chadburton.com, you hit the events tab. You can secure your spot for the event, Seven Tests of Retirement Readiness. It is Saturday, 10 to noon, October 28th. Crown Plaza, Foster City, San Mateo. The seven with, or Chad's going to be playing with and going over linear cash flow, test for market corrections, tax tests, save money or market corrections, Monte Carlo simulation, long-term care and life planning test. You will get something out of this. I promise you. Um, so if you've got $500,000 or more and you're kind of in that area of like, yeah, I haven't thought about taxes in retirement or I haven't thought about linear cash flow. What is linear cash flow? Sounds like something that might be in a Marvel superhero movie. Chad, what's involved in linear cash flow? Yeah, that's just essentially kind of like the spreadsheet oriented way of how long is my money going to last, right? But okay. it's, there's really, I've never really seen a good online site that does a, a a good job at this because everybody's taxes are different, right? So I'll explain that in a second. But a linear cash flow test is you got to say, okay, I need to use a certain rate of return on my investments to project how much they're going to grow so I can figure out how much I can draw on them to be safe, to have enough money to last till I'm a hundred years old. Or, you know, if you're the older spouse until the younger spouse is a hundred years old, right? Cause if people could afford to retire, Rob, they can tend to afford to eat better and they tend to live a little longer. And so while we have not necessarily seen an increase in life expectancy across the board, if we look at those that, have the money to eat healthy and do other things like that. They are living longer. Um, and in some cases, you know, we're, we're going to be bionic, right. With new knees and hips and be able to enjoy life. So you got to make sure you have enough money to last that long, but it's garbage in garbage out. So the, the first thing you want to do is be very conservative on your rate of return. And so you can look at a period of time, which was arguably one of the toughest periods to invest as a uh, retiree, which was, let's say you started investing in 2007 and you look at your return 10 years later. And when you're investing in a balanced portfolio, it's not just the S&P 500 and bonds. You have large cap, small cap, mid cap, international, emerging markets, and several different types of bonds out there. And so when I look at portfolios from that period of time of 2007 through 
where there was a large decline in 2008. So the, the stock market topped out October 2007. It bottomed in March of 2009. And then it was off to the races again. And so if you look from 2007, 10 years later, you could have seen a, a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds, but also international small cap and everything in that stock piece of averaging around, you know, 5.6%, right? One of the worst 10 year periods that you could look at for a portfolio. So what you want to do is say, okay, what if we go into the first 10 years of retirement and beyond looking a little bit mediocre like that? Um, you know, I'd say that Rob, I mean, I think that's too low of a rate of return to shoot for over the long run, but you want to be conservative, right? Because you want to be pleasantly surprised in retirement, or you want to be able to go three to five years through retirement and say, oh, I'm, I'm getting a better rate of return than that. So now I can adjust my expenses upward. So use a, a conservative rate of return on your investments. And then each expense that you put into your plan, you have to have a certain amount of inflation on it. So at least two per two and a half percent on normal costs, but anything healthcare cost related, which for most retirees is about $6,900 a year minimum when you're all in between your Medicare, your supplemental insurance, all of that kind of stuff. That's, that's inflating at 5%. Um, but then as part of your expenses, you have to realize where is my money being held in retirement? Some people retire and everything they have is in a 401k. And every time you take a dollar out of the 401k, you're going to pay taxes. Some people have some Roth money, which is tax-free, some cash they've already paid taxes on a non-retirement account, which is taxed completely differently than a 401k on your gains. And so you have to have an idea of how much you're going to pay each year in taxes. And you project all that out. And the reason why I say a linear cash flow model is because the numbers are the same every single year, right? On the portfolio, on the inflation and everything else. And that's not how the market or life works, but being conservative on that linear cash flow projection and making sure you have enough money to last at age 100 is a key to just being able to move on and say, yes, I'm close to being able to retire. What's interesting about what you just said and living to a hundred. I don't know. Did you see that Bobby, the Portuguese pup, he's Guinness world book of records, long living dog. He lived at the age of 31 and 165 wow. days, which is basically dog years, 217 years. He lived on a farm. He ate human food. Um, I know you talk about healthy diet. I just heard all that brought up in that segment. We're living longer, Chad. We need to plan to live longer too. Um, because what you don't want to be is old, brittle, frail, uh, bloat, um, and 217 years old. That doesn't sound like fun to me, but, uh, that's the tip of the hat to you because you talk about health and, and wellness and eating right. Cause I think it is part of a financial plan that 20 years ago, I never thought we'd have this conversation. Well, it's just, like I said, it's continued to evolve because I just remember back when I was, you know, 19 getting into the business 30 years ago with my grandfather and, and his, he was in the sixties, his clients were seventies and eighties. And we were either talking about how we we're going to pay for somebody's nursing home cost without the other person going broke or the conversations were dominated by how many times were we going to the doctor per week? Who's going to the doctor when? What are my ailments? And I'm like, I just don't. I don't picture my retirement like that. I would rather enjoy life now, be healthy and be able to enjoy retirement later. And the majority of that has to do with the food that you're putting in your body and moving and exercising in a you know diverse way to exercise. So some weightlifting, some cardio, some racket sports, some bike riding, things like that. But food is so important, like avoiding processed meats and inflammation and 
you know, inflammation is huge and it's, it's tied to everything from brain issues to cancer. And that's all geared towards what we eat. And so eating healthy is unfortunately expensive. And, you know, eating terrible is cheap. And it's, it's a problem. It's an epic. I mean, it's causing budget deficits in our country because of diabetes and other issues. What's interesting about that is if you go to some um, island nations, McDonald's is $8 a serving and organic chicken is $2 a serving. Like it's just the United States. It's not just the United States, but the United States has a massive food problem, but I don't want to get political right now. Go to an um, island like Turks and Caicos. They don't even have fast food. They don't, right. they don't really allow it. <laughs> so, Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. The last two years, we've seen inflation spike. And a real world example of that is what CFP Chad Burton has talked about, cost of vacations. Um, we don't live on this planet just to work, 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 work and die. We want to enjoy some of the planet while we can. But also like home insurance is up 15% year over year. Um, at Farmers and USAA, the average home insurance rates climbed 8.8% this year in the first eight months of the year. So a lot of people are dropping homeowners insurance. CFP Chad Burton, what do you think about that statement? Oh, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, we've heard stories about people that accidentally left their, let their homeowners insurance lapse because they were out on vacation and then they had a bunch of pipe bursts. And it, there was one scenario where I heard about $60,000 of damage not being covered because of a, oh, I forgot to pay the bill. Um, so that's, that's a little bit scary, but sometimes people have to do what they have to do. I mean, I grew up, you know, single mom, um, moving around quite a bit. And there was phases, I'm sure, where there was no auto insurance being paid for because <laughs> it's either that or pay the rent. <laughs> so been there. Um, don't ever want to go back, but that, is unfortunately some of the decisions that you have to make sometimes. It's uh, a funny aside is that I tell my wife, anytime other people's children's come over, we should have them sign a waiver at the door um, so that we don't get sued. And it's a joke for sure, but there's some reality to that. Cause now if your mother offers me a ride, I'm going to ask to see your insurance card. And Chad has the sweetest mother <laughs> on the planet just for the record. Oh man. So we got the yeah, big, uh, there's Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I could go off on tangents oh, of people getting sued for stupid stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I have insurance on my car, a lot of it in case I hit a car full of lawyers. Like, and then yep. umbrella insurance on top of it. So we could go on forever. Maybe we'll do a show on that. Uh, personal. Yeah, I mean, you got your auto and your home, and then you get umbrella insurance coverage in case something really bad happens at your home or your uh, in your car if you get in a really bad wreck. 
So umbrella insurance is something that people get to kind of go over the top of that in case something really bad happens. And you usually want, you know, two times your net worth minus your retirement accounts is a, is a basic idea of um, how much coverage you need, yep. which typically costs people 300 to 900 bucks a year. It's important to have, but I will say, Rob, I've in 30 years, I've never had any clients sued above a homeowners and policy limit or uh, an auto policy limit. It's still important to have it. So I don't want that story to deter people from buying umbrella because it's really important. Um, but usually when people get sued, the attorneys go right up to the limit of whatever policy they're going after, whether it's your car or your home, and then they settle for something below. I can say that as a true story because uh, I know a dear close personal friend who was in a car accident and uh, one person died and one person got brain damage and they went right up to the limit. Yep. And um, there was a lot of stress until that was decided. Uh, whereas Umbrella might have taken some of the stress away, but you get the idea. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit long-term care because I need to really get serious and get off my butt on this one. Friend, her father passed away a couple of years ago and uh, she inherited a chunk of money. Um, let's say roughly 2 million. And out of that, she's to take care of her mother and her mother just went into long-term care last year and it's not cheap in California. That 2 million is not going to last forever. And suddenly her inheritance is siphoning away due to her mother's longevity but being in a memory care facility um, and it's bad. Like she's combative. She's, she's in a bad state, the mother. So what are your thoughts on long-term care? What do we need to know? Well, there's two things here. I mean, first of all, this is why typically when I'm doing a financial plan for somebody that is younger, let's say forties and fifties and even sixties, where they say, hey, I'm probably going to inherit X number of dollars. Yep. Like, let's just leave that out. Let's for now, let's leave it out or maybe use 20% of that number because you never know when Mom or dad's going to need long-term care and the cost, especially in the Bay Area, north of $100,000 a year. Um, and that's unless you buy long-term care insurance, you don't have coverage. You're either going to self-pay for it or eventually go broke and have the state kick in with Medi-Cal. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're seeing it firsthand right now. So that's why test number six in these seven tests is important to run financial planning scenarios and this is important, Rob, because a lot of people go and they pay somebody, you know, 1% or more to manage an IRA account for them. Right. And the investment choices, that's the easy part in business today. It's yeah. so much easier than when I got into the business years ago um, because of technology. And so you may, you have to make sure that you're getting this type of planning and, and running these various scenarios and you can click on a button and see these cash flow projections to say, okay, if I'm 75 and I go into a nursing home for five years, what's left for my spouse? Especially if your situation like me, where yours is, you know, quite a bit younger than you, right? So, uh, you you know, I might have enough to live till I'm 100, but if you're married to somebody that's much younger, what about their age, right? How, how are you going to get to that point? So, running that scenario in the plan. So you can clearly see, do I have enough to self-insure and cover this cost? If not, what does it cost for long-term care insurance? Or what does it cost for one of these life insurance policies that um, if you do go into a nursing home, the death benefit can be used early while you're alive to pay for nursing home costs and home health care costs. But if you never go into a nursing home, then you'll pass away and the death benefit will go to your surviving spouse or kids or whoever you want it to go to. And so the other option, if you can't afford that or um, you're not insurable, 
is to say, okay, once my assets get to a certain level, are we going to sell the home and move into assisted living? Um, are we going to move in with a kid? You know, what are, what are the options? And discussing that with your spouse and your family members, especially your children, is very important because by the time you get to that point of making those decisions, a lot of times you're incapacitated. And if you didn't make your wishes known to your family and spell that out in your living trust documents, for example, then, you know, you, you might end up in a place you don't want to be. Yeah. And, uh, my mother, um, she was diabetic as she got older and then she got Alzheimer's. So I personally know what the costs are. Do you ever find that using long-term care, is it ever tricky? Are the insurance companies ever trying to like say, no, 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 you don't qualify because you uh, fill out your paperwork too late or is, cause we see that sometimes on the homeowner's claims that it's getting tougher and tougher to get a claim process through. Um, there's mm-hmm. more hoops to jump through. Are there a lot of hoops to jump through with long-term care? Cause I've never dealt with a paperwork. Um, so the older policies, yes. So I have a client that's so distrusting of insurance companies because his mom went into a nursing home and, and, um, the older policies weren't this newer ones and he fought to get coverage for two years. New nursing home policies, um, they have what's called activities of daily living that. Okay everybody has. So like eating, bathing, continence, um, you know, transferring. And there's certain things that if you lose two out of six, then it's an immediate trigger. So if you have a doctor say you lose two out of the six, like I can't dress myself. I can't, um, you know, get my pants on myself. You know, that's, 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 that's one. Um, so if a doctor says that an outside doctor, then that's coverage. And then any cognitive issue like Alzheimer's or nurse or uh, uh, dementia is also a trigger on its own. And so it's much more spelled out under current tax law because there are some tax benefits now, Rob, of buying long-term care insurance. And some states are forcing it, like Washington passed the law, an extra tax for those people that don't have it. There's no, there's no a group, you know, horrible plan in the state of Washington, and it's, it's under challenge again. But other states are following through with this as well. Um, so the older policies, yes, there'd been some issues, but the newer ones, not so much, but, but in the recent years, there's been a huge price increase in this type of insurance. And, and now females pay a lot more than males because the statistics show that men do still go into a nursing home quite a bit, but they tend to last a very short period of time in the die, whereas women go in for a long period of time. And it happened with my grandparents, my own grandfather that got me into the business you know, he was on dialysis three days a week and eventually went into a home and care, but it was only for six months. And then he passed. My grandmother was in memory care for over eight years. And I still have such a vivid memory of, of when she really started to lose capacity and we were visiting her. And it's, it's kind of like it is in this, in this area where everybody can congregate together and then they all have their individual rooms, but the doors are locked and we were leaving, but she followed us. She was following us out. Like she was going to come with us because she forgot where she was. Yeah. And I literally had to kind of turn and say, no, grandma, you have, you have to stay here and, and close the door. And it locked her in. And she's just kind of looking at me going, kind of knowing who I am, but why are you, am I not coming with you? It's just, it's a rough thing to deal with. And it was a full-time job for my mom, even though my grandmother was in nursing home for, for that period of time, it was still a full-time job to make sure she had her meds or, or, or all of the different things that she needed to be there. Um, so it's, you know, it's a stress for everybody and long-term care can kind of help reduce that stress to your overall family. Even if you're wealthy enough to pay for it on your own, you should consider the insurance. But it's also, even if you have it, like the last time I saw my mother, um, she had pooped her pants and how long was she sitting in her poop? 
Um, so I had to change that. And, uh, it's tough. Like what you just said about the door shutting behind you. And I'm almost laughing because it's so miserable. Um, Ugh, it's, yeah. it's, it's so stressful. My mom, it looked, she was in a prison cell her last couple of years. It was a small room. Like it had a TV, it had a bed, it had a shower. So it's like a small cabin in a boat. It's, uh, not attractive, not an attractive way to go. Um, any yeah. last thoughts? We have about a minute. Um, no, I mean, it's, like I said, it's just running the different scenarios and saying, what are the options? Long-term care insurance, hybrid life insurance policies, eventually selling the house. Um, if you have wealthy kids, they could give you a loan on the house so you can avoid taxes of selling it to pay for the care. And then they get paid back after you pass away. Or there's Medi-Cal planning in California, Medicaid planning in other states, which is to, you know, spousal impoverishment laws so that you can make sure that you don't have one person in a nursing home and then somebody poor at home. And, and elder law attorneys can help deal with that situation. Finally, we're seeing some areas of inflation coming down in the rental market. Um, it's cheaper to rent than to buy in nearly every single market right now. I think it's 47 out of 50. Um, and there's some markets like Memphis and Pittsburgh where it's cheaper to buy than to rent. But we are seeing rents come down. That's good for the inflation news headlines that we play a game of on Wall Street. Chad, um, what else do we need to hit as we're kind of wrapping up today and uh, promoting the seminar that we have this weekend, 10 to noon, Foster City, uh, the seven retirement tests. Um, and if you could pass all seven, you're in good hands. If you can't, then you need to do a little bit more work on your retirement plan. Uh, what, what else do we need to hit today? Well, you know, part of some of the tests we talk about between um, tests for market corrections, which is a lot about your risk tolerance and how much safe money you have, um, as well as the Monte Carlo simulation, it all kind of comes into the same idea of going through a process to say, how is how am I going to react during diff mar difficult market cycles and how should I be constructing constructing my portfolio? And the one thing that is is very real, Rob, is that risk tolerance changes so drastically the year of retirement. That's right. Um, and a lot of people, what they do is they end up kind of, um, you know, you're so busy, especially towards the end of your career, you're at the height of your career and you're really trying to get things done, get your position prepped to be able to take over from somebody else. And you can literally go four or five years without adjusting your portfolio. And so people walk into the sunset into retirement and they're still very aggressively allocated into equities. And that's fine because they've always been used to funding their 401k every two weeks and watching the portfolio grow over time. The last 50 years, you've got what, uh, you know, over 11% average rate of return on the S&P 500 and it's positive over 74% of the time. And so they're, they're used to being aggressive. But that point at which you stop working, which is a lot of times where your social network is, um, and where you're wanted and, and you're, you, you know, you're, you're used to answering emails and phone. all of a sudden you're looking at your portfolio on a daily basis and saying my paycheck, this now has to last me 35 <laughs> years. That's a bad And so you go from, you know, yeah, yeah. You go from, uh, you know, having an income plus savings to you're drawing your savings. And then you go through a year, which has happened before. And, you know, you and I have been on radio for, since 1999 together. And I've preached this so many times. There are years when stocks and bonds can go down together. And we are probably looking at potentially, um, if we get rid of, you know, take the tech stocks out of the S&P 500, this would be a second year in a row where stocks and bonds are likely down together. Right. And so 
you have to realize that, okay, you need a certain amount of cash on the sidelines and you need a portfolio that is going to earn enough to get you through age 100, but also is going to be built so that you're not going to panic out on the downturns. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times you have to say, okay, let, let's say you got a $2 million portfolio, Rob, at 65, which would allow you to draw around 80 grand a year safely growing with inflation. So every year you're going to draw 3% more. Now, if you think of a negative 10% rate of return that, that, and you picture negative 10 with a percentage sign next to it, that doesn't look like much. But when you multiply that by times a $2 million portfolio, that's a $200,000 loss on paper, right? And you're not going to notice that when you're working and still funding your 401k because you're like, hey, the market's down. Let's add more this year. But when you're living off of it, it's a totally different story. So you've got to say, okay, how am I going to react if my $2 million account drops to $1.8 million? Yep. Am I going to panic out and sell and go to CDs and miss out on the upswing? Or am I going to stick with it and just rebalance my portfolio? And so there's that right number. And it's a little bit of an art and a little bit of science to say, what rate of return do I need to be successful? And what's the most conservative way that I can invest to get to that point? Um, now, can I afford to be more aggressive if I have a lot of assets or... Am I just not, that's not my personality type and I need to be conservative. Um, so everybody's a little bit different in that front. So, you know, we build the portfolio accordingly. In general, you typically have, you know, three to three years of your portfolio draws and safe money. And the rest of the portfolio is somewhere between, you know, 60% stock, 40% bond allocation. My favorite would be more like a 55% stocks, 5% alternatives, and 40% fixed income type of a portfolio. So when I say alternatives, that could be real estate investment trusts, it could be commodities, other things like that, that really help smooth out returns over time. What do you make of the email that I get on occasion where my 401k hasn't done anything in five years? What do you think the person's doing wrong? Because the S&P 500... Uh, they're probably got- chasing returns okay. or okay. going in and going out. So, I mean, the... That, that one frustrates me to get... Like, oh, yeah, I mean, if you look, what are you doing wrong? Like, it, it, <laughs> it's not me. Oh yeah, I mean, if you look at SPY, which is uh, the S and P five hundred uh, uh, Spider ETF, right? Yeah. Uh, the five year return as of October twenty fourth, um, total return dividends reinvested is up sixty seven point one seven percent, and that includes the the big COVID correction that we had. So. Yeah. They're doing something wrong there. And it's usually it's timing the market going in and out. And that affects returns drastically. Uh, you remember that old study of the Fidelity Magellan Fund and the returns were phenomenal, but the average investor did not get anywhere close to that return because they would be trying to time the market. And so timing the market is a horrible idea when you're younger. You you The thing you want to do is when the market cracks, you try But timing your withdrawals is everything in retirement. And that doesn't mean going all in and all out in cash. It means that when stocks or bonds are down, where are you drawing your money from? Because it it will recover. Sometimes it takes six months. Sometimes it takes three years. But you cannot be selling during the down periods. You have to say, where am I pulling my money from? Dividends, interest, cash. Where's your money coming from? And your financial plan, your cash flow analysis should show you each account you're drawing from. Thanks for, so much for being with us, Chad. If people want to meet Chad, you can find him online at chadburton.com. You can come to the event this weekend as well. 
He's going to be bringing his team of financial planners with him. Um, Ryan, Julie, Dan, you'll like them. They're all very smart as a whip. Um, they know financial planning inside and out. Bring your questions. The event is two hours at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Foster City. It's Saturday, 10 to noon. If you have at least 500,000 investable assets, this event's for you. Take the plunge. Learn more about financial planning. Take control. Taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and much, much more. Sign up at chadburton.com or robblack.com. That's this Saturday at 10. 